You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Pastor James Cleland. Sitting in for Sarah today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for uh, filling in for Sarah this week. Sarah's out having some, um, I'm sure, great adventures, some well-deserved time off. So uh, we have a great conversation. This uh, this weekend, I believe, is uh, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. We've got the season of Pentecost, or the green season, upon us. And uh, so we are going to chat about that in just a moment with our chaplain and director of worship here at the International Center. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. I already forgot the tagline. <laughs> Live Uncommon. Uncommon, that's what it was. Live, Live uncommon. uncommon. Joining us in studio today, the Reverend Sean Denzer. He's Director of Worship for the LCMS and our chaplain here at the International Center. Chaplain Denzer, thanks for joining us. Hey guys, great to be here. It is always good to talk about uh, the church year. We like talking about hymns. Our 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 uh, like in-house hymn nerd is not here today, um, but uh, we get to talk about all things liturgy and uh, our liturgical year, the church year. We're talking Pentecost today, but particularly the, the day of Pentecost. Yeah, so uh, the day of Pentecost is unique in a number of ways. It's kind of the last day of the Easter season. Well, maybe we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. But also, it uh, it's one of the few, and maybe the only one, other than Easter itself, if you were to rename it uh, by kind of its older name, Pascha, which means Passover. This is the only day that really comes out of the Old Testament and sticks around in the New Testament. Okay. I don't remember seeing the word Pentecost in the Old Testament, like, does yeah. that does that pop up? You definitely won't see it in the Hebrew, but okay. in the Greek, that's the, the word okay. that's used in a couple places. It's used especially in the Apocrypha, so no surprise we haven't seen it. Like but Maccabees it's, or It's something. mentioned in Maccabees, okay. it's mentioned in Tobit too, and it's simply the fact that these good Jews are observing the day of Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, uh, Shavuot in Hebrew. And uh, so yeah, it's an Old Testament festival, it's an Old Testament harvest festival. Okay. It's connected with Passover, because it is... 50 days after Passover. Oh, hence the name. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so, and what's interesting is the way you get to 50 days is by taking a week of weeks. This is a very Hebrew way of thinking, right? <laughs> week of weeks. So, seven days is a week. Uh, a week of weeks is seven weeks. And that all adds out to 50 days. I thought seven That's times seven. 49. Oh, 49. Close enough, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so the yeah, the Feast of Pentecost is an original feast already in the Old Testament. It's this harvest festival. It's mentioned uh, in Exodus 23. Sometimes it's called uh, the Feast of the First Fruits. Okay, and, I've heard uh, of that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and later on, actually, it gets some connection, not just to harvest, but also to the giving of the law at Sinai. It's a little unclear whether that... How, how far before the time of Christ that kind of was common uh, in the Jewish uh, uh, church. Uh, but it seems like it's a little common by the time of the New Testament. It definitely gets codified, mentioned by the rabbis, after the New Testament. Uh, and uh, it may actually be kind of in Paul's mind in 1 Corinthians when he mentions Christ being the first fruits. He talks oh. about, right, Christ our Passover sacrificed. Uh, so some people have speculated he kind of uh, has these phrases in mind because of the connection between Passover and then 50 days, the end of it, uh, uh, Pentecost, this harvest festival. 
But we see this in Acts, right? So obviously big to do that Passover uh, because they put to death this guy and two other criminals uh, and almost had a riot there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, people are still in Jerusalem from the party 50 days later. That was very common, right? Uh, we still hear that, I think, among Jewish people today, right? Next year in Jerusalem. Uh, so, so everybody who came in as pilgrims to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem got to take part in the local color, putting that guy to death, and uh, they were still around 50 days later, they're probably about to head home. Uh, and that's Jews spread all okay. over. So that makes right? sense why there's there's so many different nationalities, exactly. if you will, there. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and, and that's when those guys who seemed to be drunk or something strange was going on yeah. got up Something's going on. on that morning and started preaching uh, on the text of Joel. And this is the day of Pentecost. So, so why does it come into Christianity? Not really as a harvest festival, obviously, especially if you're in the Northern Hemisphere like we are. Uh, it's not harvest time at all. It's not because we want to remember in particular the feast, uh, the giving of the law at Sinai, but it's because something brand new happened on that particular Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the apostles, on the whole church, in fact. And uh, it it becomes for us kind of the birthday of the church, the the kickoff of the New Testament church and the beginning of uh, Christ's work uh, with his church, not in the flesh as he did to accomplish it, uh, probably ending in ascension, uh, but now uh, at work through the Spirit, through his word that continues to bring him and his works to mind, to give us all of the things uh, that he won for us, uh, and to continue the preaching of Christ uh, up until the end of the age. Okay, so the the liturgical year, this is the, the part where, could we call it like the church section, the church? Yeah, we kind of commonly divide it into that. The, the life of Christ is what we follow from uh-huh. Advent, uh, looking forward to his birth, Christmas the birth. Uh, right. And we just celebrated Ascension uh, 40 days after his resurrection uh, when he ascended into heaven. Uh, but now we do think of this as the church's half of the year. Uh, used to be called the Sundays after Trinity. Uh, now we tend to mark them as Sundays after Pentecost. What's interesting, in the early church, they <laughs> They would use the word Pentecost to talk about the 50 days, not about the days after the day of Pentecost, but to talk about those first 50 days, which which we just call the season of Easter now, which is totally fine. Uh, but, but they viewed the whole season of Easter as lasting for 50 days, and so they referred to them as the 50 days, the mm-hmm. Pentecost of days. Uh, so kind of interesting. This is fascinating. So for a long time, I really just didn't know much of the the history beyond Acts chapter two, like what it pointed right, back right. to. And I think that that might be the I don't know. Am, am I alone in that, or do most I don't think of you're us alone? Think we we just think of Pentecost as yeah, Acts chapter two, thing. like yeah. yeah, the the big event that. Uh, Tongues of fire and and all that, right? Yeah. So um, it's interesting. Like we said, you might expect that more Old Testament feasts would come into the New Testament life of the church, since at least half the church and all of the church at the beginning was Jewish. That's that's the, who Jesus called to be apostles. Uh, the, you know, the mission to the Gentiles that Paul has is kind of the surprise in Acts, and he's got to mm-hmm. fight for it, of course. Uh, and Peter doesn't go along at first, right? Uh, but 
we see that uh, what Paul says in Colossians really holds true. No one's to judge one another in the New Testament uh, in terms of Sabbaths or feasts or festivals. Uh, even the, the church here that's developed over time, our traditions as Christians in the New Testament, are not binding on us, you know, on pain of salvation. These, are, these don't carry the kind of force that the Old Testament uh, uh, feasts have. We, we observe them in freedom. We observe them mostly uh, to have an orderly pattern of edification. And just because, you know, to make up your own brand new tradition is kind of to miss, a, miss the point, isn't it? Right. Uh, so, uh, but Pentecost comes in, I think, not so much because of its Old Testament value, just as we we've, we've, you know, don't observe Hanukkah or these other festivals that were common, the Feast of Booths and Tabernacles. Uh, but this one has this miraculous event that the Holy Spirit comes visibly with tongues of fire, this kind of kickoff sermon from St. Peter on that day, so that, yeah, it has a totally new purpose. It's still connected because of that uh, Jewish festival day. Uh, but but now we have something entirely new to celebrate the the great work of the Holy Spirit in His Church. I observe them in freedom only for the food. <laughs> <laughs> Never hurts. <laughs> so so such a, a a great history then in these Old Testament feasts um, and, and the Jewish feasts, and then uh, now we're in. This brings us then up to Acts chapter two, right? Yeah, I think that's the best place to go. It, it's the, the first reading or the epistle reading uh, for uh, Pentecost Day. <clears throat> and we get to hear, uh, one, that the apostles and the, the rest of the church are gathered there in the upper room, same one we've been hanging out with, I mean, an awful lot during the story of the Gospels, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, right? There's the sound of the rushing wind, there's the strange uh, tongues as of fire on their heads, mm-hmm. except they're not getting their heads burnt up, uh, and that they begin to speak miraculously in other languages uh, as the Spirit gives them utterance. All very strange sounding, and maybe we have some sympathy for the people who said, eh, these guys are drunk or something weird's right, going right. on. <laughs> uh, but we find out that there's something very unique about these languages once they begin preaching in them, and that is that everybody, no matter where they're from, all these Jews from different countries that are spread all over but have gathered for Passover and are still there 50 days later, all of their languages uh, are heard in the singular speaking of those apostles. So they might be speaking in their Galilean tongues or in Aramaic or something, but uh, everybody seems to be hearing them in their own native languages, and that's what they remark. They, no matter what language they happen to speak, uh, they're hearing the gospel, the, the wonderful works of God is the way they put it. And um, that's what's led the church uh, in these uh, modern times when we have restored the Old Testament reading to, to our daily uh, Sunday worship, uh, to choose the reading of uh, the Tower of Babel, uh, which is a different story, the opposite story, really, right? God comes and confuses the language of those people who are so arrogant as to try and build a tower that reaches up to heaven, I don't know, to catch God, you know, in his 90 or something. Uh, uh, So God disperses them, right? Confuses their language. I mean, it's hard enough for us to communicate sometimes here, uh, you know, in this building. Imagine if we all spoke different languages, too. 
And the logical thing to think is, well, God, you know, in the end times, in the New Testament era, uh, at the last day, he's going to undo all of that. He's going to make us one nation again. He's going to restore us all to one language. That isn't the way it happens on Pentecost. But rather, God kind of sanctifies all of these diverse languages in that uh, he allows the gospel to go out uh, to all peoples, to all nations, kind of foreshadowing that mission to the Gentiles that is soon to follow on the heels uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, and and this then becomes a text that I think is very, these two texts together, Babel along with Pentecost, become a, a, a very important text for us in the New Testament period uh, when we think about the mission of the church to those who don't know about Christ. Uh, and the great confidence we have that the gospel message is able to be translated into many languages, into different cultures, uh, that you don't have to become Jewish. You also don't have to become German or American or anything else in order to become a Christian. Uh, but, but in fact, the gospel is able to go out into all these different languages. Uh, uh, and we see hints of that also in Revelation, right? That there's people of every tribe every and nation and yeah. tongue, right? Yeah. So standing before the throne and before the Lamb. We have more to learn about the day of Pentecost with Chaplain Sean Denzer, he's Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We'll do that in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Pastor James Cleland. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Pastor James Cleland. We are talking about the day of Pentecost with uh, Reverend Sean Denzer. He's Director of Worship for the LCMS, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and our chaplain here at the International Center, which uh, the International Center, uh, really the Acts Chapter 2 experience was really the original International <laughs> Center, right? So it's possible, I don't know. I think the reason we're called the International Center is we got a lot of flags hanging in our uh, cafeteria, which uh, sadly, we don't have a cafeteria anymore. So, well, but during, a, during a normal year, year when we're not experiencing a pandemic, we, we do have representatives from churches around our, our, our brother or sister churches uh, around the globe who visit us, and we sometimes get to have conversations with them here on KFUO, which great. is kind of fun, yeah, too. Yeah, and we have our Office of International Mission that, you know, is right. keeping track of missionaries all around the globe, so... So we just finished learning about uh, the the well the Jewish feast um, that led up to the that, that took place, what, 50 days after Passover, and this is when the Acts chapter 2 thing happened, and the people were hearing the gospel in their own language, in the their, what, first languages, I guess you might say. Yeah, yeah. W- whatever language uh, Peter happened to be speaking, they could hear it in their language. Uh, uh, that's a pretty good translation device, right? Yeah. Fascinating. Better than the right? UN. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Now we're in. Now let's look at it from the the side of how we observe Pentecost today in in our church. How, what are the ways that we do that? 
Yeah, so it's interesting. In the early churches I mentioned, the, the Feast of Easter lasts for 50 days in people's minds, and they sometimes refer to those 50 days of Easter as the Pentecost, not thinking of just one special day huh. as we do now. Uh, interestingly, they, they also kind of connected ascension with the 50 days. Now, it says very plainly in Scripture, of course, that it was 40 days after that Jesus ascended, but they kind of took it all at once as a real transitional day, that, that you celebrate the joy of Easter for all 50 days, and then, uh, and then it all changes there. We see that the bridegroom uh, goes away, so the fasting would pick up again after a long season of feasting. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and so it was both together, both that Christ was leaving, but also that he was leaving us, not comfortless, but, but leaving the Holy Spirit, and then the shift into the proclamation of the gospel, the time of the church. So we've added ascension as a real emphasis 10 days before, uh-huh. uh, but, but what we keep Pentecost and its focus on the Spirit and the Spirit's work in the church. You see this in a lot of hymns, just uh, well, and you see it in the creed itself, right? When we get to the Holy Spirit, I suppose the untrained ear would say, "We believe in the Holy Spirit, and we believe in a whole laundry list of other things that we're just going to toss in here before the Amen, right?" <laughs> right, uh, right. But but that's not the way to understand it, right? And Think, it's a lot of beautiful stuff in the in the third article. Yeah, and and, I mean. and the thing that ties it together is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's not just stuff tossed in, but it's what the Holy Spirit does, right? How does He sanctify us, right? I believe in the Holy Spirit and his creation, the Holy Christian Church, which Pentecost ought to be seen as kind of the, this is, this is where it's all beginning and, and, and continuing. Yeah. Uh, and, and how do you get a Holy Christian Church, or who is that? That's the communion of saints. And how do you get saints out of a world full of sinners? Well, you deliver the, by the means of grace, right? By the, by the Word of God, the forgiveness of sins, which comes in, in the sacraments and his proclamation uh, to make these saints. And then what's their destiny? Well, uh, eternal life with Christ forever. And and that's what uh, the day of Pentecost, as we see it in Acts 2, brings all together, right? So you have the preaching of the gospel, telling the great works of God in all languages. Uh-huh. You have Peter, once he gets into the details of his sermon, the emphasis is really on, look, uh, all of the prophecies about the Christ have come true in the man Jesus, which, by the way, is the guy that that we killed 50 days ago, um, and and uh, and God's raised him from the dead. How do you think that's going to go? The people are cut to the heart. They they realize that they've sinned, and what in the world are we going to do, they say. Uh, but that leads Peter to get to something we don't want to lose. We don't actually hear it on Pentecost Day, but we don't want to lose this as the culmination and the whole point of the church's life, what makes saints out of sinners, right? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, right? You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out on everybody. This is this is our understanding of baptism it is laid out just perfectly by Peter yeah. there in Acts chapter two, uh, and. Uh, and, and that this is what the church is, right? It's Christ gathering his uh, uh, saints to himself, that through baptism he's giving them all the gifts of his death and resurrection, uh, and he's pouring out the gift of the Holy Spirit on everyone uh, to create faith, and to sustain us in that faith, even to life everlasting. So so in the, the Lutheran service book, which I'm re-falling in love with lately, there's a whole section for this time of year then, and the songs really do reflect what you were just saying. Um, any, any particular ones you want to point out? Definitely. So, you know, I've heard the accusation that Lutherans 
kind of give the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, short shrift. We're talking about Jesus all the time, which, if you ask me, is not a problem. And uh, and the Father, I mean, it's hard to ignore him, right? But the Holy Spirit, you know, we just don't talk much about him. I suppose you could say the Apostles' Creed really does the same thing. But it's concerned with his work, right? Mm-hmm. It, where it gets quickly into the sacraments, into his creation, the church, and, and the result of that, which is eternal life with Christ. Uh, at least in the old lectionary, I think in, often in, in the new three-year lectionary as well, we hear a lot from John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 in the Easter season leading up to Pentecost. Right, right. And, and I think the, the reason for that is, is pretty obvious. It's Jesus himself teaching about the Holy Spirit, teaching about how he's going to go away, which first and foremost is his death on the cross because he was teaching this on Holy Thursday night. But also so much of it applies to our time now where he has ascended out of our sight, uh, but we're waiting for his return. And and who in the world is going to sustain us? How could we survive if Christ were truly gone? Which he's not. He's still very much present in his word. Well, he says that the Spirit is at work by the word of God to bring everything that belongs to Jesus, everything that's his gifts, and to bring it right to us, to call to remembrance everything that Jesus has says, to uh, use his word to convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment that we may have confidence that the devil uh, is judged and, uh, and that, that our salvation is certain. So the Holy Spirit uh, slips into the background only in this sense. His job is not to talk about himself. Right, right. His job, points to Jesus. Yeah, his job is to talk about Jesus. So if, if, if the only message you got was Jesus, uh, then actually Things are going okay. <laughs> exactly correct, yeah. Uh, we do have, though, a, a rich heritage of hymns about the Holy Spirit. One that we don't have is is the old Veni Sancte Spirit. Spiritus uh, uh, sequence, which uh, many Lutheran churches used to sing in Latin. It's one of the few sequences that the Roman Catholic Church still sings too. Hmm. And uh, it, it's a great hymn. Uh, we also, though, have uh, the hymn by Rabanus Maurus, Come, Holy Ghost, Creator Blessed. In our hymnal, we're bl- it's great. We've got the uh, original chant version that would have been sung for many centuries, and Luther would have grown up singing that. We also have Martin Luther's kind of simplified tune uh, based on the exact same tune. The words are identical. And, and this hymn uh, talks clearly about the Holy Spirit. It, it's a prayer that he would come to us and make our hearts his place of rest, which is to say that he would come and enliven us with faith, uh, uh, that he would fill us with uh, trust in Christ. Uh, talks about him being the counselor, that is the advocate, the comforter. Uh, and many of these hymns also talk about his sevenfold gifts, which is a reference to uh, a passage in Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, But what do we see the Spirit's here to do? He's here to teach us to know the Father and the Son uh, from uh, his preaching. He's here to have us fix our hearts on Christ Jesus. He's here to comfort us in the face of our enemies, especially the devil and his lies, uh, that we would let no foe pry us away from Jesus. Uh, so, so even on on the day when when we hear about the Holy Spirit and focus on His coming and His work, we're still talking about Jesus. In addition to the old hymns, we've got uh, a great one that Martin Luther composed, and that's uh, 497 in Lutheran Service Book. Come, Holy Ghost, God and Lord. This 
tune is actually a little challenging, I think. But it's it's a very uh, it's just an awesome tune, and it ends with Alleluia's, uh, and and it's in three stanzas, good for the Holy Trinity. It talks about how the Holy Spirit is the light, He's the fire, kind of drawing on a number of different uh, references to the Spirit in the Scriptures, but especially. It's a prayer for the church. It's a prayer that uh, the Holy Spirit would continue to lead the church, that his word would continue to go forth to all languages from every land and every tongue, all to the praise of God, uh, and and that he would uh, bring unity to the church, that he would not let anything turn us away from Christ, that he would give us strength and even boldness to contend for the faith once delivered to the saints uh, until at last uh, uh, he takes us through life and death, to be with the Lord uh, and to be with him forever. And it's a fantastic hymn that, that does kind of imitate that third article of the Creed, which goes through the whole nine yards. Uh, but, but again, why is the Holy Spirit the place to throw all of these things that have to do with the church and the sacraments and the hope of eternal life? Uh, it's because this is the work of the Holy Spirit that we are experiencing and receiving all the time with the Word of God right now. Uh-huh. And uh, and the day of Pentecost, particularly that Acts 2 reading, shows that in full force. Uh, and, and so it really is the perfect text to hear uh, as we consider now moving uh, from the life of Christ and what he accomplished for our salvation, moving on to talk about the life of the church where Christ is delivering his salvation to us. This is... I'm one. I'm, I'm fascinated, overwhelmed. I was thinking we would talk about the color red and right, right. <laughs> uh, Acts chapter two. Let's uh, definitely talk about that color red if we can. Right, right. We we have about a minute left here. Uh, why why the color red? Has it always been red for Pentecost? It's always associated with Pentecost, and and really uh, just know that right. We we get the fire, tongues of fire. I think. Oh, okay. And we also uh, red belongs to Pentecost, but that helps you figure out why it's red in every other case. The martyrs, right? Obviously, their blood, but but also that they're testifying with the word of God by the Spirit's power about Jesus, the same thing the Holy Spirit is doing. They're advocating for him, right? Uh, Why Reformation? Well, it's our bold claim that in the Lutheran Reformation that returned to the scriptures, this was a time where the Spirit was at work to revitalize his church. In a way, it's almost a new Pentecost, uh, not because Luther was so great, but because the return to the scriptures where the Spirit is active is so strong. So where we we see the color red used when we are identifying quite often the the, the great work of the holy spirit definitely and the mission of the church mm-hmm. witness uh, yeah. yeah the witness of the church in blood as well as in word that's Very beautiful good. i learned so much <laughs> that's why we have you on <laughs> the Reverend Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thanks so much for uh, for enlightening us, for teaching us about the day of Pentecost. Blessed Pentecost, guys. To you as well. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Pastor James Cleland. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.